Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Here you go. Here you go. Operation Scapegoat, that's the nothing personal word of the day. It is Monday, November 27th, 2023. Hope everyone had a good Thanksgiving. It's hard to know who to text, who not to, who do you call, who do you text. Happy Thanksgiving. All you do is eat too much and then feel bloated and sick and then have leftovers. Anyway, it was fine. A lot of family, a lot of friends. Thank you all, davidsampsonpodcast.com. So many people, Coca, so many people sent pictures of them in nothing personal merchandise, horse hockey merchandise. I think hoodies are big in Canada. I'm just going to say that. Thank you to everybody. But we're talking about scapegoats. Scapegoats are great. Scapegoats are when your team is losing and you have nothing to do but find someone to fire. And we've been fortunate enough to have so many firings where we can tell you who's the scapegoat, who's not, when the coaches will survive, how angry the owners are. And we had a weekend of awesome scapegoating. And it started back with the commanders after they lost their game and got embarrassed on Thanksgiving in a pick of the day that we won. Jack Del Rio, their defensive coordinator, got fired because that's what to do when you give up points to the Cowboys who are averaging I don't have this in front of me, but 30 points, I'd say, or more. It seems like they're always scoring 30. Fire the defensive coordinator because Ron Rivera is doing just fine. Josh Harris, the owner, no problem. He's doing it perfectly. First-time owner, first season, couple games in, excited at your first win, And then you start going down the list of what happens and what you do when you lose. Do I fire the GM? Do I fire the president? Do I fire the coach? No, no. Let's start with the coordinator. The obsession with coordinators makes me laugh because it's like my obsession with firing coaches. That'll get everybody hitting. Bring in Sean Casey. That'll make the difference. I mean, no offense, Sean, but that's just funny. So Del Rio gets fired. It's a crushing loss. So it's not even a crushing loss. Why would they say it's a crushing loss? You lost to the Cowboys because you're an inferior team and it's related to the quality of your organization and your players. You can put lipstick on a pig all you want and fix the showers at FedEx Field if you choose, but it's not gonna make your team better. So let's just fire Del Rio, done. All right, who do we scapegoat for the Pats game? That's another good one. I think that Bill Belichick deserves a raise, not at all to be fired. So for all the Pats fans who are so spoiled by all your Super Bowls, and now you're despondent beyond repair that your team can't win, cry me a river. 
Bill Belichick being fired. We told you already he'll leave when he's good and ready. This morning, 8 a.m., Bill Belichick's going to get fired. No, he's not. Unceremoniously dumped by Robert Singles Kraft? No, not happening. As a matter of fact, the Patriots losing that game was chess to the Giants checkers. Wide left on a little tiny field goal at the end of the game? Come on. You don't think there was a little conversation? I'm not saying it's fixed. I'm saying if you're going to lose, lose. If you're going to tank, tank. We had this last season when that coach, come on, Coca, be in my head right now. Lovey Smith was coaching a team that won a game that gave somebody the first pick, the Texans. And he already knew he was getting fired and his final little FU was to win the game. There's so many bad teams in the NFL. Do you think Roger Goodell sits around on the weekend and he's got the red zone or he's got, how many screens does Goodell have when he's not at a game? Does he watch no games? Does he watch some games, all the games? Does he look around and say, wow, there is not a lot of competitive balance in our sport right now. There's so many bad teams. The Giants are the worst of the bad until we get to the Panthers because they actually won a game that they should have lost. All Belichick is doing now is losing. He's benching Mac Jones. He throws interceptions. He starts, then he gets benched. Like that's going to matter. Like it shows that he cares. It shows that he's trying. I'm not buying it. Not even for one second. The Patriots are doing what they should do, which is not be mediocre. The Giants are doing, I don't know what the Giants are doing. I never know what they're doing. But it's so important when you own a team or the president of a team or GM, cameras are on you. You know when a game ends, cameras are on you if you're in the stands. Then when you walk into the clubhouse, then when you walk out of the clubhouse. As a matter of fact, now with the proliferation of cell phone cameras, you have to assume cameras are always on you. I used to sit, little side story, this was the ultimate in self-importance when I was president of the Marlins. I used to think I was so cool. I'd go to the, next to the dugout where the owner was sitting and I always felt like cameras would be on us potentially if I would go down there and talk to him. So I would talk with my hand over my lips like I'm some sort of, you know, important person or important coach saying something important that anyone would give a crap about when I'm actually going down there to say, hey, sorry, we ran out of hot dogs. Don't want anyone to see that. Sorry, it's raining with a roof. Don't want anyone to know that. Like I'm, like I'm gonna be unveiling the secrets to our organization. So you know the cameras are on. David Tepper, who is not in the Mount Rushmore of nothing personal, but he certainly is on the roster of great providers of moments that we can discuss. He's been the owner since 2018, I would say. And I bet you he's like 30 games under 500. He's just terrible. The Panthers have been terrible since he started. It's incredibly depressing. Don't forget to multiply by 10 to think about what that would be in baseball terms. When you're one in 10, that's the equivalent of being like 10 and 100. That makes the Oakland A's look like the Dodgers. 
So the Panthers lose a game, and this is going into a season where they made a coaching change. They brought in Frank Reich, and everything was going to be better. They were super excited. They're 1-10, in and David Tepper, they lost yesterday. David Tepper leaves the clubhouse after the game. He goes into the clubhouse, leaves the clubhouse, and he yells and drops an F-bomb. And it got a lot of attention. I'm all for F-bombs. I like dropping them. I think that it is the most versatile word in the English language. You can use it for every part of speech, and I'm in. But as an owner, I always wanted our owner to never let anybody see him have an emotion. And it didn't work, of course. But that's how I wanted me to be seen, where I want people to think that we're in charge, that we know what's happening, that we're not panicked. I go back to, and I'll do it again, I go back to the flight attendant scenario, which I play in my head all the time, when I think the plane is having turbulence or problems or what's happening, and they're serving Diet Pepsis. I'm in, as opposed to them running up and down the aisle telling everyone to, you know, light a cigarette. I'm out on that. Owners are similar. You're being watched by your players, you're being watched by your fans, you're being watched by the media. So he walks out of the clubhouse, yells an F-bomb, and of course leaves Frankie Frank to have to say something at his press conference. And when you're one in 10, there's two ways to go. The typical way in football or in baseball or in any sport is the coach takes the podium, puts two hands down on the podium, looks up and says something like, I take responsibility for this. We've got to be better. We are making great progress. All of the things that try to trick the fans into thinking, oh, it's POP, it's part of the plan. But in fact, what they really want to say, and if you did a truth serum on coaches who took the podium after a loss where they go to one in 10, Frank Reich would say something like, wow, my team sucks. I would actually have great respect for that because it happens to be true. But instead, Frank said, what are you gonna do? All right, quick lesson out there. When you are a parent or a business leader or a leader of any kind in your household, in your workplace, or of a team, of your little league team, and something's going bad, Lee, and you're asked, hey, what's happening? And you look out and say, hey, what are you gonna do? That does not exude leadership and control. It exudes idiocy. Well, I've got a few suggestions what we can do when we're one in 10. Let's start with drafting better, practicing better, finding better players, being more crisp, calling better plays, having better execution, figuring out a way to have discipline. We can just start with that as a top six. No, no, Frank said, what are you gonna do? What, are you gonna start feeling sorry for yourself? No, that wasn't on the list. You're gonna think there's a magical fix? No, no, that wasn't on the list either. These games are winnable. That's another thing you don't say when you lose a game. Hey, that was a winnable game. What game is not winnable? When you're 14 point underdogs and you feel like you've lost before the tip off, before the kickoff, when you're going against the ace, the Cy Young winner. That's not a winnable game. In the thousands of games that I was a part of, there wasn't one unwinnable game. Not one, ever. 
There was not even an unwinnable at bat. Everything's winnable. Don't ever say something's not winnable. But on the other hand, don't say it is winnable because you're not adding value. When you are the leader of a one in 10 team trying to save your job, which according to Coca, and we have a special thing coming up right now, actually. I'm gonna go to it right now. This is episode 939 of regular episodes, not counting Black Friday and mailbags and sit downs and special breaking news podcasts, whatever. And for the first time, when we do a wait to see, which is, we tell you something's gonna happen. And if it happens, great. If it doesn't happen, fine. Today, on just a random Monday, November 27th, Matthew Coca, our esteemed producer, the leader of our entire team of people who work on nothing personal, one of the great bosses of all time to those underneath has a wait to see for you. And it's a big one. And if he gets it, it's gonna be amazing. Ron Rivera, fired. Bill Belichick, fired. Frank Reich, fired. And Brandon Staley, fired. That's right. The Chargers lost to his Ravens, so he watched the game. And he realizes that Staley is terrible, that the Chargers are terrible. They wasted $262 million on Justin Herbert. They can't win a game. I mean, they're four and seven. It's not like Panthers terrible. But he was so excited with the Ravens win, because he's a Ravens fan, that he added Staley to the list. So we've got four. So book it as an official wait to see Coca style that Staley, Reich, Belichick, and Rivera all get fired. You got that, Matt? This is noteworthy. We do this show for you every day. We're live every day, although this Wednesday we will not be live, but there's still, there will still be a show. I have to be on an airplane at 8 a.m. and I had no choice. I tried to schedule around it, but I could not do it. But we're still gonna have a show and it'll be a regular show, but it just won't be live at 8 a.m. Yes, Coke and I are early risers. That said, we do this, we fly naked. There's no teleprompters, there's no nothing. So we make mistakes and you send me corrections and I appreciate them. I got the following one, Coca. Hi, David, love it. It's not a so you wanna talk to Samson. I thought it was gonna be a so you wanna talk to Samson. It was actually a correction. You are correct. We were talking about Sam Weish and we were talking about Greg Popovich who took the mic to say stop booing Kawhi Leonard. And I talked about this last week sometime. And then we talked about Sam Weish that when he was the coach of the Bengals. You are correct, except your reference of Sam Weish, the Bengals were playing Seattle, not Cleveland. I apologize for that. It's funny that when I said they were playing Cleveland, I wasn't positive but it made sense that he would have said Cleveland no matter who they were saying because it's Ohio, Ohio. But anyway, I do appreciate that correction. Have you ever thought of unintended consequences or the ripple effect as I like to say? The ripple effect is when you drop a pebble in a stream and then you get the circles that keep going out and out and out. And as a lawyer, you're taught to try to anticipate all of the outcomes that could happen all the bad things that can happen in business, all the possible lawsuits, try to cover yourself with contractual language. Everything we do 
has a ripple effect, has unintended consequences. The smartest people, the people who are the best adjusted to this crazy world we live in are the ones who are able to see around the corner a little better than others. There has been so much debate led by many people at CBS, led by many people at every network, led by coaches, led by fans, by you. Everybody wanted college players to get paid. Everybody wanted them to be compensated for their name, image, and likeness. Everybody wanted Supreme Court intervention. They wanted congressional legislative intervention. For crying out loud, maybe they wanted an executive order. They just wanted fairness for players. And I was there, not sort of totally on an island the way I am for the Oakland A's, let's say. And I spend plenty of time on an island. Well, <laughs> sometimes only three days. I said that the whole NIL thing, there's gonna be some stuff that happens that's not gonna make you happy. It's gonna be free agency in college. And if you want that, that's fine. And then there are gonna be people boosters who give NIL money to players and, and then won't have the money because they've reallocated it to NIL that they're not gonna give to endow a chair in physics or to give to the general fund of an athletic department so that athletic department can fund water polo. So you get someone to pay money whether it's to pay for a buyout like this Indiana coach who's gonna get $20 million. Don't even get me started on that. They fired him, give him $20 million buyout. Coaches are getting fired with $50 million buyouts, $10 million buyouts. Just stop signing coaches to long-term deals when you know you're gonna fire them and stop signing them after they win a COVID-shortened season. Don't sign players or anybody at the top hey, this stock has never been higher, let's buy it. Anyway, so the concern I had with NILs was in allocation of resources. And I thought there would be problems. I didn't really care about college free agency and I don't care about college free agency. Yesterday, it occurred to me that NIL has now gone wild in a way that there should be documentaries Maybe there should be beach scenes. All I know for sure is that when the NCAA, when the Supreme Court, when your local congressman, or when you wanted NILs, did you for one second think that what would happen in North Carolina would happen? North Carolina State has a coach named Dave Doran. He went public and asked you, the fan, you, to please give a $1,000. And we're gonna get 5,000 of you just to give a G, one little G spot, 5,000, we're gonna get 5 million bucks. And then we're gonna quote, recruit, retain, and develop. So now, He's asking you to fund their portal recruiting season. Thank you for your season tickets. Thank you for your merch. Thank you for your loyalty. We'd like to do a PSL now. Remember PSLs and how happy all of you fans are when there's a PSL program? Do you know what a PSL program is? 
It's when you pay for the right to pay for something. I love that. It's great if you can get that. There are stadiums that were financed back in the day. It doesn't happen anymore because fans realize, well, this doesn't make sense. I don't want to give you money up front and then let the owners say, look at what I'm contributing. Although, spoiler alert, that's what all CEOs are doing and owners is they're saying that they're contributing stuff when in fact they're raising the price of their product. That's like a ticket tax counting as a team contribution. I think there should be three categories of public financing, public money, private money, and your money. Ticket taxes, seat licenses, all of those things. Sometimes it's even from people who aren't using the stadium, which is the equivalent of the cable bundle. That's when you pay for a channel you don't watch or want. That's people paying in a tax increment funding district or in any sort of community redevelopment agency, any sort of area like that, where money generated in counties pays for stadium bonds, except it's people doing things having nothing to do with the stadiums. So do we feel that it's proper for a coach to be the spokesperson for what he wants fans to do? Better idea. Every school has a development department. Their job is to call alums and to call students and to have events and to get people to give money to the general fund, sometimes the president's discretionary fund. Presidents like that the best. That means they're getting money from you and they can use it to pot plants in their house. Their discretion. When you give money specifically for the science lab, unfortunately it gets segregated and has to go to the science lab. When you give to a general fund, it can generally go anywhere. I would have no problem with the North Carolina State fundraisers calling up people and saying, hey, we're raising money now for the football department and it's gonna be used for player retention. It's gonna be used for player recruitment. Would you consider a gift of $1,000? Screw you. All right, would you, how about $100? No, how about $10 a month for one year? That's $120, who are you kidding? I used to try that. I'd be okay with that. But here's who would not ever be my spokesperson, my head coach. I want my manager sending letters to season ticket holders and making community appearances and saying how excited he is about the team and how excited he is and thankful for the fans and how great it's gonna be. Not a letter saying, man, we got problems. We don't draw enough fans. We have problems with corporate sponsorship. We've had the worst time developing players. I can't believe that we can't win 81 games. Love, John, Cocktoastin. I wouldn't do it, Coca. NIL has truly gone wild. When you get the call, if you're a North Carolina State alum, I believe that there are, it's not even a dash mark because we don't go that deep in our analytics, but I assume we have some North Carolina State alums. I'm just curious, you got an extra grand? DavidSampsonPodcast.com. All right, we take a break. I'm gonna review Better Call Saul, and then I'm gonna talk about another way that teams are trying to get your money. It's pretty interesting and it's really good PR, but I'm not sure it should be. You may wanna hang around. 
Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors and add blocks, no custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson, Matthew Coca. We are here Monday through Friday, live at 8 a.m., except this Wednesday, where we're going to have a show, but not live. We appreciate rating, reviewing, subscribing. Please go to the YouTube channel where you're watching this, if you're watching, and hit the subscribe button. There's, you get no incremental benefit from that except to thank you from me. Do they? I don't believe so, but please do it. So I watch a movie every day, and there are certain... I didn't watch any TV shows until 2018. I would watch MASH and Survivor and Seinfeld and, you know, went back when there were half-hour comedies. But all of the streaming networks and streaming shows or AMC or FX, I just was a total movie snob. And then there was a change where I kept hearing from people, these shows are so good, but still I, I took some sort of weird pride. Do you ever do this when you take a position on something and then you know you're wrong, but just for principle, you stay in that position. It's like what kids do when they back themselves into a corner or certain immature adults. And I finally got off the schneid and I watched Breaking Bad, which became one of my favorite shows of all time and loved every minute of it, every episode, and actually couldn't believe when it ended how sad I was. But there was a prequel to it called Better Call Saul. And I was told by all of you and people around me, watch Better Call Saul. But it was almost principle. No, I'm not going to do anything to sully my love of Breaking Bad. I, did, I didn't even care about the character Saul Goodman. He's a lawyer, big deal. Shame on me for having no faith in Vince, the creator of Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. And Coca, you got me. I want to say it's Gilligan, but that sounds like the guy from the island. So I don't think that's his last name. And I apologize, but you're a brilliant creator. For whatever reason, about three weeks ago, I was short of, not stature, but of current shows, which is one of the notes on my phone. Like, what am I watching now? And the only current show I have is Survivor. September 27th to December 20th, Wednesday. And there was a time when it was billions in succession. And it's any show that I'm watching on a weekly basis that comes out on a weekly basis. I don't put binges there that I'm doing. So I had no binge, no current shows. And I said, all right, I'll watch one episode of Better Call Saul. It's time. And it was 
meth, heroin, crack, nicotine, caffeine, codeine, protein. I'm addicted. I banged through all 63 episodes, 10 episodes for the first five seasons, 13 episodes in season six. I now have a relationship with Bob Odenkirk and Jonathan Banks and Giancarlo Esposito and Reese Seahorn and all of the other characters. It became like, I couldn't wait, like a good book. And unfortunately I don't read books anymore because I'm too busy binging shows that I've never watched. And I wanna tell you that if you have not seen Better Call Saul, start now. The performance by Bob Odenkirk, and I didn't know he had a heart attack in the middle of filming. I didn't realize it had just ended last year. I thought it was a much older show. I didn't realize all the attention it got from the Emmys. I just, I just always put it down because it wasn't Breaking Bad. I'm not gonna tell you it's better than Breaking Bad. However, I'm gonna rewatch Breaking Bad now that it's fresh, Better Call Saul, and then I'm gonna evaluate which is better because for me, there wasn't one bad episode of Better Call Saul. They went 63 for 63. Thank you to everyone involved in that series. So now I'm up to a new binge, need a new binge. And I started a show in the middle of the night last night. And uh, I think I may be hooked. I'm curious of your views, if you don't mind, at David P. Sampson on Twitter, or you can get to me at davidsampsonpodcast.com. I'm starting to binge Fargo, another example of a show that I said I'm never gonna watch because the movie was perfect. Why would I ever watch a TV show when I could, the movie, you can't make the movie better. You're not gonna be better than, uh, oh, come on, the guy from Shameless with the wife who had the coat, who had the, from uh, Desperate Housewives. Are you kidding me, Coca? Is this really happening to me live on the air that I can't think of the guy the actor, you do know him, Coca? The star of Fargo the movie who plays <sighs> William Macy. Thank you, Coca. <laughs> and I'm also forgetting the woman who starred in Fargo, who's married to the filmmaker who makes the, one of the Coen brothers, Francis McDormand. Do you ever have that happen to you or is it just an age thing? Better call Saul. Okay. It's off season in baseball. We had a huge signing, breaking news. Kenta Maeda is going to the Tigers for 24 million over two. That's a yawner. Nothing on Otani, nothing on Yamamoto, nothing on Snell, nothing on Bellinger. We're heading into December, heading into the winter meetings. I've got a few wait to seize on timing, but that's the best free agent signing we have. So there's other news in baseball because this is PS squared, prime selling season. We're out selling season tickets, they dollar. They're out selling season tickets, they're doing corporate deals, they're getting ready. It is time because once the calendar turns to January, spring training is right around the corner. So right now you're doing Thanksgiving specials, you're doing holiday specials, your inside salespeople are making calls, all sorts of programs are being pitched to you in terms of season ticket deals, because you're trying to get season ticket holders, because you're trying to get their money, because you're trying to have an understanding of what your revenue is gonna be. So you can have an understanding of what your payroll is gonna be. And every year I would ask our sales department, give me something, give me a deal, 
Give me a thought. Give me a hook. The Arizona Diamondbacks. You may not have heard of that team, but they are the reigning National League champions. The Arizona Diamondbacks introduced a new concept called a season pass. That is when you give them $299 and you get to go to 83 games, 81 regular season plus two exhibition. Give me $299 now and we give you 83 tickets. So I looked at that and I got out my handy phone and I went to page three because I do everything in a certain order as you may imagine. And I did 299 divided by 83. And I said to myself, that sounds like about three and a half dollars, but it can't be that. But it is. So you're being asked to pay three and a half dollars per ticket to become a season ticket holder. And here's the best part. You don't know where your seats are. They will be put into your account online on your app. As soon as you opt into a game and you can't opt in with an hour before you can't resell them. There's all sorts of things you can't do. And believe me, you'll get caught if you resell them. Whether they're playing the Yankees, there's no blackout games. That was a huge thing during my career. We'll offer you this deal, but not to the games you want or tiered games. That's a tier A game because we can charge you $80 for that game, but a tier C game against crappy teams that we're only going to charge you $40. And I was all over it. And I look back now on the tiered price and I say, wow, I was really not respectful of my fans, not my fans about fans of the franchise, because I want people to want to be season ticket holders because they love our team. And it doesn't matter if our team is playing the Washington Generals or the Washington Nationals or the Washington Wizards or the Washington Mystics because we're going to be there. Our team will be there. But tiered pricing was a big thing. And then dynamic pricing started. Dynamic pricing is when the market sets the price. True, true market pricing. Love it. Now, of course, you can manipulate it by holding back inventory or by being Taylor Swift or Bruce Springsteen. And I get all of that. You wanna get as much money as you can in return for what you're offering to the people paying you the money. Whatever service you're providing, whether you're a singer, whether you're a car mechanic, doesn't matter. You're trying to get the most money possible. Do the Diamondbacks feel as reigning National League champions that their best bet to fill the upper decks Oh, small print, it's upper deck seats. And the ushers will be instructed, no moving up. I was a big, big proponent of having very strict ushers. Same concept of when you buy a seat and coach on a plane, you can't just walk into first class and have a seat. Or when you check into a hotel and you have the booking.com double queen bedroom with a view of the alley. Hey, there's a suite open. I'll just take that. No problem. Here's the difference in price. But wait a minute. Once the night ends, it's a declining asset. Once the plane takes off with an empty first class seat, just put someone there. That concept doesn't work in business because the people who pay for the suite or the first class seat or the box seat or the above the dugout seat, they don't want to look to their left and say, oh, you got that for free by buying an upper deck seat and just walking down. 
you go to the usher and you complain. Strangely enough, you don't hear that a lot on planes where people say, hey, what did you pay for your seat? What kind of deal did you get for seat 69A? It doesn't get talked about a lot. Or when you see someone in the elevator going to your hotel room, hey, what's your rate? It doesn't come up. What about when you're at a game? Hey, what'd you pay for that ticket? Now that happens. We asked our fans that. We once did a focus group about that, that people are actually curious and it does come up in conversation. People on planes don't talk so much because there's headphones, but during a game, hey, you don't look familiar. Where'd you get the seat? Oh, I went to StubHub. In any case, you have to be strict. So the people who hold these passes will be in the upper deck. Their location is not guaranteed, but they do have guaranteed seats. So what the Diamondbacks have to do is however many people buy passes, even if there's a huge game, like opening day, they have to keep a certain number of seats that'll have an average price of $3. But what about people who don't go to 81 games, which is everybody? Let's say you go to 40 games, boom, that's a $7 seat. Now we're talking. Yeah, we better hope that people go to like four games to keep your average ticket price high. I get what you're doing. And I love it from a PR standpoint because it got a lot of attention. We're here for you. But really what they're counting on is spillage. They're counting on people not going to the games or they're counting on having the excitement of a sold out reigning National League champion stadium cause people to spend more money on better seats where they can up those prices and cover the lack of average ticket price in the upper deck. It's just math. So what the Diamondbacks did, because Derek Hall is one of the best team presidents around, is he went with his head of sales and they did a chart where you look at what the price of every seat is, then you extrapolate out what a typical Tuesday crowd is, and then a Saturday crowd, and you go each day of the week, because in your budgeting process, you actually estimate the revenue, gate revenue, for every game. And you know what you're trying to get to because you know what your payroll is, you know what kind of revenue you want, and you're hoping that the market will allow you to charge what you need to charge to get the revenue where you want it to get to. So guess what? Guess who's paying for your $3 seat? And it may not bother you. This may be brilliant. The people buying the more expensive seats. Because while I haven't seen this announcement, you can bet your bippy that the Diamondbacks raise prices of the best seats at Chase Field because they're the reigning National League champions. So kudos for the PR, but you're not fooling me. Betting the NBA sucks. I'll just say it. This segment is brought to you by nobody. Nothing personal pick of the day. We had the long weekend. We gave you four picks. We went 500, two and two. We are 176 and 171. And I want to quickly go over how it is that this happened. We had the Celtics minus six over the Bucks. Celtics up six. Game. We got a push. It's brilliant. Two, one, 0.9, Hey, I'll throw up a three-pointer for the Bucks. That's not going to go in. Bank shot in. Celtics by three. We don't cover. I was really, really angry when that happened. But then Thursday, we had the Commanders. 4-8-69. 
But then Thursday, we had the Cowboys over the Commanders by 11. The aforementioned Commanders then fired Jack Del Rio. They lost, I think, 69 to 6, and we won that one. Friday. Did you watch the Black Friday game? Did any of you put your phone to the screen for the Black Friday deals? How many of you had fish hooks in your mouth put in there? I had said Jeff Bezos is running Amazon. He's no longer the day-to-day -day CEO. Thank you for that correction. How many of you, he's still the biggest beneficiary though. How many of you made purchases during that game? A lot of you, so many of you. Do you have any idea how much money Amazon made on Black Friday? Do you have any idea what a joke it is to give the NFL 100 million to show a game on Black Friday? They could charge $200 million. Do you have any idea how little correlation I feel there is between watching the Dolphins and the Jets play on Friday and me taking advantage of Black Friday? It's not as though I have no other opportunities to go on Amazon. We had the Jets plus 10 versus the Dolphins. How'd that work out? I thought it was gonna be the new era, the Boyle era. It would be great. What do you think Woody Johnson is doing that entire time? What is he actually doing when he watches his Jets play? Sort of what David Tepper, what happens when the Jets play the Panthers? Coke, have the Jets played the Panthers yet this season by chance? Do they play each other? I'm just curious if they do. Because I wonder, owners really don't spend much time together. There's an owner's suite where the visiting owner sits and then obviously the home suite where the homeowner sits. You also get tickets by the field in baseball. So there's a visiting owner's box above the visitor's dugout. There's a homeowner's box. And there's very little talking. It's not like owners get together and, and say, oh, let's have lunch, I'm in town. It doesn't work that way. I don't know why. It used to be that GMs would go say hi to each other and that really doesn't happen that much. With all the road games that I went to, there were very few times that I would say hello. And as I look back on it, that seems sort of, awkwardly rude. I don't know why I didn't, but I wonder whether Woody Johnson, and David Tepper, if they ever played each other, which they didn't this year, they sit around and just say, wow, I feel so good about myself because guess what? That team sucks worse. So I'm watching the Jets game and I'm feeling we have, we're getting 10 and the score going into halftime is going to be 10 to six. We're good because even if the Dolphins score getting the ball in the second half, they're up 70 to six, we're only down a point. The Jets are gonna find a way to get downfield. There'll be a field goal, maybe a special team, something's gonna happen, everything's great. And then I hear the announcer say for the game on Black Friday, which was, I don't know, was it Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet by chance? It may have been. And uh, Boyle has a great arm, didn't know that but they're at the 50. You don't need to have a great arm to do a Hail Mary. Boyle throws the ball to the end zone. It's a Hail Mary. And then something happened that blew my mind. The Dolphins caught the ball, intercepted it at the one. When you intercept a Hail Mary, generally the rule is you throw it down. That's what you're taught with a Hail Mary. You hit it on the ground to make it incomplete. You don't hit it up in the air because then the offensive team could catch it and score a touchdown. You don't try to catch it because you could catch it and then fumble. You just hit it to the ground and the game ends or the half ends. This guy catches the ball. And then when you catch a Hail Mary, if by chance you do, go down. It's not that hard. Nope. The Dolphins ran it back for a touchdown. It was a 
pick six on a Hail Mary, a 99-yard touchdown. Dolphins 17, Jets six at the half, and that was the end of it. We lost that game. I couldn't believe it. If you're Woody Johnson, I was trying to figure out what would I do during that half? I don't even think I'd go into the clubhouse. I think that I would go into the restroom and spend the entire halftime waiting for Dolly Parton. I don't mean waiting in the restroom. I'm saying waiting for it to entertain. Anyway, we lost that one. And then we recovered on Sunday. We had the Bills plus three and a half versus the Eagles. Hopefully you place that bet immediately upon our pick of the day because the line did move to three in some places two and a half and the Eagles won by three, but that's a win for us. So we are 176 and 171. We've got a great Monday night game. The schedule gods are with us. If you live in the Midwest, you're loving life. Chicago against Minnesota. yippee I don't know who's going to win that game, but I don't know who's going to score. We're going under 44 and a half in the Vikings-Bears. And then we're trying to make money in the NBA. We're going for the upset with the Jazz on the money line. And we're going to parlay it with the Sixers on the money line to try to get a plus 292 payout. So the two picks today, Jazz Sixers money line parlay, Vikings Bears under 44 and a half. And we'll catch up, see how those picks go tomorrow. Well, that's our show for today. Go out there and take advantage of Cyber Monday in case you didn't blow your entire paycheck on Black Friday. We still have a sale on davidsampsonpodcast.com and we're going to keep the sale going for a little while, but we're going to change the name from Black Friday to Holiday Sale because it's almost Hanukkah and then Christmas. But in the meantime, we'll be back tomorrow. It's just business. This is nothing personal. Thank <laughs> you.